Scripture reading for, for this morning is found in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 19, 19 through 27. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles at the end of the pews. Um, and I always forget to say this, but if you don't own a Bible, please feel free to take that with you, um, just as a gift from us to you. Um, so again, it's, today's Scripture reading is, is 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 19 through 27. Please follow along with me as I start reading in in chapter 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jew I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win, the, win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessing. Do not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline the body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. It's the word of the Lord. Hey, can we clap it up again for the Ukraine team? Uh, Just amazing. And just uh, the body, uh, great, great work uh, praying, uh, giving, uh, and really just supporting this team uh, as they went uh, with both uh, bread and the bread of life. Just really, really awesome, really awesome. Um, and, and let's please continue to pray for uh, the ministry that's on the ground there, the local church that is just day in, day out, um, risking their lives and serving the people of Ukraine with the gospel. Uh, it was a, a mighty privilege, as Ronald talked about, and humbling privilege to, to partner with them and, and be a, a small bit of encouragement to them and the work they're continuing to do. All right, uh, before we jump in, next week is Mission Sunday. So we're going to have one service. We're going to then set up a big old tent, have a ton of food. It's going to be a blast. 10 a.m. Uh, don't come uh, at 9.30. Come at 10 a.m. Uh, actually, you know, come at 9.50. Uh, then you can be on time. Uh, and then uh, at 10 a.m. we'll worship and then after that, we'll have a big old party together, and we'll have all these uh, tents out and everything. So 10 a.m. worship uh, next week. There will be no second service next week. Uh, and then uh, we'll go back to 9.30 and uh, uh, 10, uh, 11, 11.15 uh, after that. All right? So uh, 10 a.m., this is the big announcement. 10 a.m., one service next week, Mission Sunday. What time are we meeting next week? 9.50. That's right. 9.50. Perfect. Somebody was listening. <laughs> uh, and if uh, you're a woman in the body on uh, next Saturday at 7 uh, or at 9.30 a.m. at 4C, there's a, a missions conference there that we're all doing uh, together for our body. So uh, women, 9.30 next week on Saturday and then Mission Sunday at 10 a.m. Uh, if your life, if, if our lives, if, if they're not captivated by a God-sized mission and purpose, then we are captivated by something far too small. 
Uh, if your life is not captivated, captured by a God-sized mission uh, with eternal purposes, uh, then we're living for something far too small. If your life is not captivated by a God-sized mission, an eternal purpose, if you're just going to work on Monday, and you get to go to work on Monday because the government's open, then you're living for just something far too small. Uh, if you're just putting together peanut butter jelly sandwiches and uh, hoping the kids make it to school, uh, then you're living for something far too small. Uh, God has placed us on this earth for eternal purposes. That we would be captivated by His mission and purpose in life. With our little ones when we send them to school, with our co-workers when we go to work, in every aspect of our life that we would live for a God-sized mission and eternal purpose. As we serve Him with this in mind, uh, that we're living for Him and there are eternal souls surrounding us. Eternal men and women and kids who will either be with us into all of eternity or not. If our lives are not captivated by a God-sized mission and purpose, we're captivated by something far too small. You know, we've been in our series, uh, Following Jesus Together for the Good of the World, kind of a vision recast, a, r a reminder of who we are as a church and why we live this way. We've, we've talked about our structures. We've gone through these three main things, following Jesus together for the good of the world. We, we did following Jesus uh, out of 1 Corinthians, right? Every passage has been out of 1 Corinthians. And we said the, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us it is the power of God to radically transform our lives, that, that, that we want to center our lives on Christ. We are following Jesus. We said we meet every Sunday here to worship and be uh, reshaped and captivated by the gospel, to know who Jesus is and what he's done, to, to take communion and then be compelled in our lives uh, day in and day out to worship and to follow Jesus. But we said we don't do that alone. We do that together. We do it together. We're in community groups. You know, we gather together in family meals and, and remind ourselves how Jesus is at work and pray he would work through us. And, and we do that in community group. We, in community group, we gather in our 3Ds and, and meet together and to do life, Bible, and prayer with other men and women and go deep together. That, that we do this together. And then we scatter out into the world to demonstrate and declare the gospel. We do this all together. And, and we looked at passages out of 1 Corinthians. Uh, that we're the body together, we're knit together, everyone is integral in this process. Uh, that, that we love one another, we pour out our love, and we, we unify around who Jesus is and what he's done. We, we live life for Christ together, we follow Jesus together, and then we do it what for the good of the world. With an awareness that there are men and women and kids who don't yet know him. That we would demonstrate the good news of the gospel. Our lives would be an overflow of what Christ has done for us. That we would serve and love and care like nobody else does because we have been served and loved and cared for like nobody else has. That we demonstrate the gospel. We declare. We would share the good news. Uh, so this is where we've been. We, we are following Jesus. We looked at a passage. Together we looked at three passages. Now for the good of the world, we look at our last passage in this series. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 and following. 
Uh, in it, we're going to get a sense that this is what Paul's whole life is about. For the good of the world, that the lost might know Jesus, his Savior, and, and what our whole lives ought to be about. And that we're free to live this way and how that pans out in our life as we live for Christ by living for the lost. All right, so let's get into the passage uh, together. We're going to look at uh, what Paul's life is about, what our life ought to be about, and then how that freedom plays itself out in some tangible ways as we live for others that don't yet know Jesus. All right, here's the context. Uh, the context is important in this passage. Uh, the context is, uh, first in chapter 8, that they're, uh, uh, they're arguing, they're bickering about, uh, should we eat uh, food that's been sacrificed to idols? What do we do about this? It's, it's good meat. Should we eat it? And they're kind of saying, okay, uh, what do we do? And Paul's uh, main conclusion there is going to be, hey, eat or don't eat, but here's what I want. I want all people to know Christ. I don't want to put a barrier, a stumbling block in the way of anyone coming to know Christ. That's chapter 8 when it talks about eating. And we'll kind of go back into that later in the sermon. Then chapter 9, uh, there, uh, Paul is uh, presenting himself as an apostle. He's saying, man, you guys should pay me. You should pay me uh, for the work I do. And then he says, but I, you don't need to pay me. All all I want is that Jesus would be made known. You don't even have to pay me. I'll, I'll, I'll give that right away. All I want is that people would come to know Jesus. That's the context. He says, I am free. I'm free to eat or not eat this meat. I'm free to be paid or not paid. All I care about is that Christ would be known. That's the context. And we'll jump back into each of those kind of contextual situations as we go through Paul's freedoms. All right, so what is his life about, and then how does that play out, his purpose and identity? Let's look at uh, verses 19 and then uh, into 22 as he closes out this passage. Verse 19, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. And then he'll go through who them are and all these different people, these categories, Jews, those under the law, those not under the law, the weak. And, and then he'll come back and he'll summarize again what he's all about. Verse 22, to the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. He says, if I were to kind of capture what my life is about, who I am and why I'm here, you know, the first thing he would say is, man, I am free. <laughs> I'm forgiven. I'm free. I've found in Christ what everyone is looking for, a life itself. I am absolutely free. I have what I need. I know who I am. I'm free. My identity is fully found in him. I'm his. I'm his son. He has made me who I am. He's provided every piece of, of, of my identity, my purpose, my peace, my life. He's given me all I need. I have all I need. I know who I am. I am free. That's who he is. Uh, every week we remember this when we take communion. If we're believers in Christ, his sons and daughters, what we remember is, oh man, he lived this perfect life in my place. His body was broken that I wouldn't be broken. His blood was spilled that the wage of my sin would be paid by him. And then he died, but then he resurrected to give me newness of life and to walk with me in this life to make me a son or daughter. I am free. 
If we were a different church, we'd say, hallelujah, (laughs) we're free. It's who we are. It's our identity. My deepest needs have been met. Uh, One of my favorite pictures hangs in our our, our arts and crafts area of our house, and and it's this one. It's uh, Jill with Leo, my little eight-year-old son. Now, my little eight-year-old son, you know, he's got the mohawk going here. Right now, I've uh, shaved the sides of his head that he has a mullet. It's pretty cool. And he's kind of got all, he's like a 10-talent kid, right? Like, he's, he's good at this and that. I love the sweatshirt. Here's what it reads. Nothing left to prove. <laughs> Nothing left to prove. In Christ, I'm free. I've got nothing left to prove. It's not because I'm amazing. It's not because I'm so cool. It's not because I've got this or that or I, I kept the law full enough or I don't eat that food sacrifice to idols or, or I, I'm worthy of getting this paycheck. I have an identity because I'm really great. No, it's because Jesus has given me everything I've ever needed and I've got nothing left to prove. I am free. It's the communion meal, right? It's this reminder of who we are in Christ, what we do every week. Remember, gosh, we are free. But, but my friend says this about the communion meal. This is a meal with a hook in it. It's like uh, fishing with a worm, right? You've got that hook in that worm. And, and, and when he gets you, when he fills you, when you realize, oh, man, this is who my Savior is and what he's done, he goes, ah, he's got us then, right? He's given us everything we need. And we say, I want to worship you. I want to serve you. And then when all of our needs are met, we know who we are and we have all we need, what happens is our eyes lift to a world that doesn't yet know him. Uh, to our coworker who is working without any knowledge of his eternal purpose or her eternal purpose. To our kids who are growing up and we long, man, might they know the Savior. And see, when we have all we need, when we find who we are in Christ, what we realize is he's got us and our eyes are open in the satisfaction of his life for us and giving us all we have and making us all we are, that we might uh, open our eyes to those around us who don't yet know him. And that's just what Paul's life is about. He says, I am free, I am his, I know who I am, I know what I have, and here's what I want to do then. I want to win more. I want to save some. I'm going to give all I am to all people. I'm going to give everything that they might know Him too. That they might know my Savior too. And that's just what this purpose statement that's repeated then. That I might win. That I might save. That others might know my Savior. Paul kind of puts it this way. It's, it's the love of Christ that compels him, right? It's his freedom in who he is as Christ that then compels the mission for Christ. It's his, it's his freedom in Christ that uh, compels his mission for Christ, right? In Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, he talks about this, and you can turn with me there if you want. You, you don't have to. I'm going to talk through the passage here. He, he talks about it, and he says, uh, the love of Christ compels me or controls me. 
Because I know who my Savior is and what he's done, and I, I love him, I'm getting to know him more and more each day, what, what, what the love of Christ who's made me free, the love of Christ who's made me me, the love of Christ who's given me everything of all of his resources, what it does is that his love for me compels me to love him, then compels me to bring the message of the gospel to you. He'll go through and he'll talk about this, how the love of Christ controls him or compels him, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and following. He says, here's what he knows, that Christ died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Christ died a sacrifice, not just for me, but for you, that if you would trust in him, if you place your faith in him, you'd have a new life that's not lived just for yourself, but for him with eternal purposes and eternal joys. Verse 16, he'll go on. From, from now on, here's what I, I, we don't regard anyone according just to the flesh, as though they're just flesh and bones or, or matter or material, even though we once regarded Christ this way. We regard him this way no longer. This, we, we realize we're just more than matter. We're more just than flesh and bones. We have eternal souls and eternal purposes. We, we have had our eyes open to the eternal reality. We know we're not just going to work on Monday. We know we're not just raising kids up. We know we're not just slowly plodding through life, waiting for the weekend. We know we're surrounded by eternal souls and eternal people. It's not just the flesh. Verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Here's what we know. He makes people new. He takes the guilty and forgives them. He takes the purposeless uh, person and gives them purpose. He gives the insecure security. He takes the anxious and gives them peace. He makes us new creations in Him. And he goes on, he says, I have the ministry of reconciliation. He's reconciled me to Himself and now through us, He, he makes us ambassadors. And he says, we implore you, man, it captures our whole lives. We are compelled by the love of Christ. If He were to say it simply, here's what Paul would say. I love Jesus a ton. And I love you a ton. Loving Jesus, loving people, compelled by a love for Christ. We want those we love to come and know the Savior we love. Man, this is why we live. And Paul says, I'm going to be that ambassador. He goes on, he says, I'm going to work together with my God for these purposes. Chapter 6, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians. And he says, man, behold, would today the day of salvation come for you. It's who he is and why he lives this way. Might it be who we are and why we live this way with this one controlling purpose of our lives. He says he's free. And then that freedom in this kind of... Uh, singular pursuit of seeing many saved, seeing many come to Christ, that freedom is going to play itself out in tangible ways as he lives for those who don't yet know his Savior. The first way that freedom is going to play itself out as he lives for those who don't yet know the Savior, he says, I am free to serve. Listen to verse 19. For though I'm free from all, I have made myself a servant of all, that I might win more of them. Since I have all that I need, I can give all that I am to you. I'm free. 
And therefore, uh, Paul says, I I have made myself, notice it's it's an intentional choice, uh, this freedom to serve and give your life away for others. He he says, I have made myself a servant to all. I've chosen, I'm going to live as a servant because the default is I, me, mine. (laughs) That's your default. That's my default. That's how we live. But but Paul says, I made myself, I chose, I'm going to make myself a servant to all because he has served me. He's given me all I need so I can serve you with all I have. I am a servant of all. I come under you. I live for you. I give myself away to you. Uh, The context, let's remember the context because Paul, he's a great example of this. He's a great example of of leveraging himself in service to those around him that they might come to hear and know the gospel. Uh, Chapter 9, remember the context? We briefly touched on it in the beginning. Uh, Paul's talking about, hey, you should pay me. (laughs) Thank you all, by the way, for paying me. (laughs) It's a great joy. No, seriously, it's a great joy to be in service to you uh, for the sake of the gospel and that you pay me. Paul says, uh, you ought to pay uh, ministers of the gospel who are serving you. He says, am I an apostle? Right, uh, chapter 9, verse 1, he says, hey, I'm doing the work of the ministry. I'm an apostle. And then he'll uh, go on and say, hey, we deserve our pay. Verse 7, he says, one who serves as a soldier, does he serve at his own expense? No, the implied answer. Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Uh, No, if you plant the vineyard, you eat some of its fruit. Verse 7, it goes on, he says, you know, know, soldiers ought to get uh, paid to do the work of being a soldier. Farmers get to eat from their land. Uh, Verse 9, he says it this way, uh, for it's written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. He says, uh, don't don't keep the the mouth of an ox closed, let him eat, right? Like if he's doing the work, he ought to eat. So he's, he's saying this of himself, he's saying, you ought to pay me, right? You, you owe me. Even the, uh, those in temple service, verse 13, he'll go to, don't you know that anyone employed in the service gets their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in his sacrificial offerings? He's saying, you, uh, you ought to pay the ministers of the gospel, he says. But then he says this way, I don't demand it though. Why? Verse 12. Nevertheless, verse 12, we've not made use of this right. But we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. He says, don't pay me, right? He says, I don't want to put any sort of obstacle in the way of you hearing the good news of Christ. And he'll go on to say, all I want to do is preach the gospel, verse 16 and verse 18. He says it this way, what then's my reward if in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel? He's saying, I, I just am going to, I'm going to, I'm going to preach. <laughs> I'm going to share. I'm going to live my life at work. I'm going to live my life as a mom or a dad, as a single. I'm going to live my life anywhere uh, in a way that I won't put a hindrance between you and the gospel. I'm going to serve you that you might hear. Even if it takes me giving up my rights, wherever we find ourselves, might we give up our rights that others might hear the gospel. Paul's a great example of this. He says, don't pay me. All I want is you to know Jesus. But Christ is an even greater example of this. Jesus is an even greater example. In Philippians chapter 2, here's what we read. Uh, Jesus uh, made himself nothing. He emptied himself, taking on the very nature of a servant. He finds himself made in human likeness. He, he finds himself obedient to death, even death on a cross. Do you see the descent that he makes in order to serve and give his life away as a ransom for us? 
He has it all in heaven and all glory, and he steps down and is made in human likeness. He becomes a servant to us, not only a servant to us, but he gives his life away for us. He hangs on a cross for you and for me. John 13. Uh, I love the beginning of John 13. It's when Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He serves them. But I love how it begins. He says he has all authority, all power. He has everything. The Lord has given him all things. He's the Son of God. He's God himself. And he says, I'm going to take it all off to, to wash your feet and get at your feet and serve you. When Jesus summarizes his life as a son of God, he says in, in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, but here's the reality. This is not some kind of umbrella, ethereal idea. This isn't just uh, the Son of God descending uh, that he might save uh, people or, or, or redeem the world in some grand sort of way. Uh, this is Jesus running towards you and running towards me to serve and to love and give his life away for you if you believe in him. He loves you that much. He gave his whole life away for you that you wouldn't be alone today in whatever you're in. In a great time of celebration that you'd celebrate with him. In a great time of suffering that he would carry and walk with you. Why? Because he descended from heaven and he chased you down and he gave his life up to be your savior. To make you his son. To make you his daughter. He loves you that much. Even if you never share about him. Even if you hear the sermon, you're like, this is what I hate about Christianity, right? Like, oh gosh, I've just got, I'm terrible at this. I don't share with anybody. I, I hate evangelism, right? Like uh, Jesus says, I love you so deeply. I gave my life for you. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are mine by grace. It, you didn't earn that by sharing about me, telling about me, go shouting to the world about me. You, you, you'll do it poorly or not do it enough. He says, I love you. I love you so much, Jesus says. He gave his life for you. He served you. You are his. You are loved by grace. So let's give our lives away like he has given his life away for us. We are free to serve. He's given us everything we need. And lastly, uh, Paul's going to say we are free to share, to connect with, to adapt to, to, to be in relationship with everyone around us, those like us and those unlike us. We are free to share and adapt. Listen to how he says it in verse 22. To the weak I became the weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessing. I have become all things to all people. You know, uh, because Paul knows who he is in Christ... He's able to adapt and connect with all kinds of people in all kinds of situations and all kinds of settings. If they're under the law, if they're Jewish, if they're uh, outside of the law, Gentile, if they're weak or strong or whoever they are, he's going to connect with them that they might know his Savior. Uh, the first category that's uh, talked about here is the Jew or those under the law, which is really interesting. He says, to the Jews I became as a Jew. Well, Paul, you are Jewish, <laughs> He is a Jew, but notice what's occurred. His, now his primary identity is in Christ, so he's able to connect with those under the law in a different way. To those under the law, he became as one under the law. And, 
In Acts chapter 16, here's what will happen. He gets together with Timothy, one of his kind of fellow workers in the gospel, a guy he's discipling. He says, hey, let's go. Let's go into Jerusalem and let's share the good news of the gospel. And let's, uh, they're kind of actually traveling outside of all, all around Jerusalem. They're headed on their way to Corinth where we are here. And he says, Timothy, you've got to get circumcised. And Timothy's like, what, huh? What? It's like, yeah, we're going to Jewish people, and so this is going to help them receive you better, right? Uh, your, your mom and your dad, one was Jewish, one was Gentile, and so it's going to really help us as we proclaim the gospel that you be circumcised. So he gets circumcised, right? It's kind of amazing. They adapt to go into the situation that there uh, might be no barriers of getting the gospel there. Now, here's what's amazing, though. After people are converted, uh, Paul says, it's not, you don't have to get circumcised. You don't have to take on the Jewish uh, sign in order to be a Christian. You're free. So, you see, this is Uh, adapting in order to get the gospel out. It's not assimilation, right? It's not assimilation on the front end of taking on someone else's morals or changing your message that they might hear the good news of the gospel by by morphing and losing the good news of the gospel and how we live or what we share. It's not assimilation on that end. It's not assimilation on the back end. Like uh, a Jewish person still keeps their culture, but now they follow Christ and it transforms everything. A Gentile still keeps their culture, but now they follow Christ and it transforms everything about their life. But on the front end, Paul says, hey, get circumcised because it's going to help us share the gospel. He does the same thing with those outside of the law and, and, and the weaker brother. He says, I'm going to adapt my life that you might know the good news of the gospel. Uh, a couple weeks back, uh, two white guys, a black guy and a Korean got in a fishing truck together. Sounds like a joke, doesn't it? Uh, me and three of my closest friends <laughs> went fishing. And it's fly fishing, so it's a pretty specific way of fishing. And, and the three of us are big fishermen. Uh, the the African-American guy, he, uh, he says to me, you know, black people don't fish. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, he's especially not fly fish. And, and then we, we took him mousing at night. And he, he uh, mousing, yeah, he's, he, uh, he filmed this whole thing. He put it up on his social media. And, and all of his friends are like, what are you doing out there? He said, don't you know black people don't go mousing, right? And it was just hilarious, right? This whole interchange. And what happened on the way out there is we're, the three of us who are, are big fishermen just start saying, well, what, what tippet are you going to use? Uh, should we throw some streamers? You know, if the, if the water's a little mucky, then what do you want? How about dry droppers? You know, maybe we'll do some dry droppers or that kind of thing. And, uh, uh, you, chubby Chernobyls, you're going to put some chubby Chernobyls out there, a little Prince Nymph on the bottom. You know, what are you, gonna, what are you thinking? And we're talking, and, and Mike goes, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? <laughs> And I think that's what happens when people interact with Christians or come into our worship service sometimes. They hear all this lingo and there's all this disconnect and they got no idea what we're talking about. And Paul here says, man, when I approach the Jew, I'm approaching as a Jew. When I approach a Gentile, I'm approaching as a Gentile. We're going to use the same lingo. We're going to talk together. I'm going to eat or not eat based on whoever's around. He's a great example of this. Remember the context. Here's what's happening. Uh, they're debating, who, should we eat food that's sacrificed to idols out of the temple? And, and Paul is going to say uh, in verse 1 of chapter 8, food offered to idols. This is what we're talking about. Uh, therefore, verse 4, the eating of food offered to idols. We know, look, an idol has no real existence. There's only one God, our one true God. He said, it doesn't matter, right? Like, uh, food is food. Like, who cares? It doesn't matter. There's one true God. I can eat whatever I want, Paul says. But then he goes in, he says in verses, 
9 and following, but I'm not going to put a stumbling block in the sake of the weak. Or verse 11, and so by the knowledge of this weak person who sees me eating food that sacrificed to idols, if they're destroyed, man, I'm not going to do it. Verse 13, if it causes them to stumble, if it causes someone to look at me when I'm eating food sacrificed to idols and they say, oh, wow, you can just tag on idol worship to your Christianity, that's fine. I can keep worshiping my idols. If, it's, if that's the case, I'm just going to morph what I do in different circumstances in order to be alert to those around me that it might not be a barrier to the gospel for them. He says, I'm free. And I'm free to adapt who I am based on who's around that they might come to know my Savior. But the even greater example of this is Jesus himself. I love Jesus' life in this accord. He, you know, uh, chapter 9 of Matthew, one of my favorite instances of Jesus' life. Jesus is reclining at the table in the house of Matthew. Many tax collectors, many sinners came. They're reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? This is to the tax collector, he became the tax collector. To the sinner, he became the sinner. Which is to say, he moved close in proximity and relationship. He adapted his lifestyle that he would connect with those around him. He didn't change his morality. He wasn't drunk there at those parties. He didn't start cheating those around him like the tax collectors were doing. He moved towards them. In a sense, he introduced himself to them. And people are confused. Why does he do this? And he says, well, I'm doing it because the, the sick are in need of physician. Uh, it's that important, Jesus says, to get close with those who don't yet know him. Adaptation, not assimilation. Uh, to move towards folks with curiosity, not condemnation growing closer in relationship, getting closer with those who don't yet know Christ. This is the organizing principle of Paul's life. Might it be the organizing principle of our life? And he'll close out this, you know, this passage. He's like, man, I, you know, I, I am free in Christ, and it compels my mission for Christ. I want to I use my freedom to serve you. I want to use my freedom to share with you and connect with you in the gospel that many might be saved. He says, this is the whole thing that, that kind of captures his life, verse 24 and following. Man, I'm going to run the race, and runners they run. Not only uh, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one who receives the prize. So run that you might obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable, we're working for eternal things to glorify our Savior and be with our friends in all of eternity, knowing our sovereign God might save through us and give us great joy to see Him bring salvation. It's the organizing principle of his life. It's like that guy who did P90X. Oh, that showed you how old I am. P90X, like they got real big and hype about P90X. Now it's CrossFit, you know. It's probably something new by now. I turn 44 next week. Oh, man, I need some P90X or CrossFit or something. It gets a hold of their whole life. It changes everything, the way they eat, their schedule, every piece of it. Paul says, I've changed every piece of my life that the lost might be saved. I'm going to run this race with purpose. I'm going to beat my body. I'm going to, every aspect about who I am, where I live, why I live there, the couch I buy, where I go to work, why I work there, the eternal eyes I see the people around me with. Why? Because it's that important. I'll close with just two questions. Why and who? Why do we live this way? Why do we live this way? 
One, man, we already talked about it, because we love Jesus. Man, He is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of everyone's worship. One, we love our Savior. Two, we love people. Like, if this is not happening in our lives, first let's investigate those two areas. Do we love our Savior? Are we growing deeper and deeper in love with Him, knowing Him? Then two, do we love people around us? Are we spending time with them? Do we know them? And then the third reason, eternity is at stake. Eternity is at stake. Uh, imagine you're at Lake Anna, and you're sitting out there on the dock, and, you know, it's just a family vacation, and and then this little three-year-old runs off the dock and jumps in with no swimming on. You stop everything, don't you? You change everything. That's what uh, Uncle Kevin did when he ran off that dock. He was sitting way back there and saw his little daughter run, ran off that dock, dove in, snags her in time. We all say, Whew. Imagine a Saturday afternoon, and you're cleaning out the shed. And your little four-year-old daughter gets back in the shed. It's a, it's a, it's a rat hole, and that's disgusting and disaster. It's the outdoor shed. You keep everything you don't want in it. And, and she gets hold of transmission fluid cleaner, and she drinks it. You stop everything. You change your whole pattern for your day, right? Everything's done. Why? Because, man, life and death is at stake, and you call poison control. Ends up she didn't drink it uh, because they went and tested her. And, you know, wow, you just say, Imagine you go into work on Monday morning and you're sitting next to Joe or Sue and they do not know the Lord. And Carlos's life is falling apart without Christ. You know, we hand out these to whom how sheets every once in a while, and, and sometimes we say, oh, great, to whom how. Here's what I want us to do. If you've got a pen near you, or if you don't, you can do this when you get home. I want you to write three names there, and then spend time thinking through and praying day in and day out for these folks that don't yet know the Savior. And see how the Lord moves you towards them and see the opportunities he gives you. See how he even increases your love for the Savior and what he's done for you. And see how he increases your love for this person who doesn't yet know him. See the opportunities he provides for you to share good news and connect with them or serve them. Or because we have a Savior who left the seat of heaven and came down to serve, to give his life up for you and for me. Who ran towards you and rescued you. Who made you who you are. <laughs> as his son, as his daughter. So let's do what we do every week and let's remember who our Savior is and what he's done. And then let's remember, man, that puts a hook in our mouth to live our whole lives for him in the joy of knowing who he is, knowing who we are with eternal purposes, following him as we fish for men. That's what he says at the very beginning of the call of our lives. He says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So let's take and eat and rest and rejoice in who we are because of who he is and what he's done. And that, then let the love of Christ compel us 
to those who don't yet know him. Let's take and eat together. And maybe while you pray and rejoice over who you are in Christ, you might pray for those three people as well. Let's take and eat together. Thank you.